0: Before we dive into this incredible episode, I want to share with you all a quick blurb about something I've been loving lately, Saqqara. This meal delivery service is no joke. They provide chef-crafted vegan meals backed by cutting-edge nutrition and made with A-plus ingredients. At first, I was a massive skeptic. I mean, there's no way I would like a meal delivered to me better than something I make on my own, and hell to the no am I going to feel satisfied after a vegan entree. Then I tried the meals and I quickly realized how wrong I was. They're shockingly delicious and extremely convenient. Don't even get me started about the breakfast. I am absolutely obsessed with them. After all of the meals, I'm left feeling full and I'm ready to tackle my day and never have that post-lunch slump. To help make it a bit more affordable, I'm providing you all with a discount code for 20% off all of the meal plans. Enter XOCameron, that's X-O-C-A-M-E-R-O-N, at checkout and enjoy. Today, we are in Samsung 837 in meatpacking. I'm super pumped because I have Shanae Alexander here.
1: Hey.
0: Another podcast host, which I'm really excited to have because I noticed that as a podcast host, when I have other hosts on, it's just not that you guys make better guests, but you understand the ins and outs. High and
1: expectations <laughs> here. We're setting the bar super no, high. You're like, no, I expect you to be I amazing. I to be
0: really good. No, <laughs> but I was talking with Jara, your friend, who was yes. on here recently, about this. And at the end, she was asking me, like, what do you struggle with the most? And I said, it's actually really hard because I didn't realize how dependent an episode is on a guest. Yes. And you have to be selective when you're picking someone because if a guest doesn't give you equal stuff, back. It's hard. You feel like you're kind of grasping. She's like, oh, Sinead will be really good because she has her own
1: show." But also what I've realized is, you know, you can have someone that's like a great Person, like like yes, someone that has like so much value, so much like insight, so much like information in their life. But like, not everyone is cut out to be definitely on on the radio, on a podcast, on TV. It's just like a really specific thing. So yes. I'm happy. I'm happy that like my reputation precedes oh, me. No, but it does. I'm very excited to be here. I also am a big fan of your podcast. Thank you. So I want to talk a lot about that as well. Yeah, yeah. The uh, ups and downs of podcasting. Let's yeah, get into it too. I know. So
0: to kick it off, how mm-hmm. would you define success?
1: So I think for me, success has kind of like changed over the years. When Mm -hmm. I was younger, I'm 33, P.S. Um, I think when I was younger, it was like success is having everything you want. Yep. Um, It's kind of like having, you know, doing your passion and, and, you know, having kind of a lifestyle that you want and having money. And I think maturity hit. Yeah. (laughs) Around like 30. And I think success is not necessarily having what having all the things that you want, but understanding that the path to getting the things you want is varied and Mm -hmm. also that they come at different times. So I don't think success is like a completion of all things at once. It's like over time in your life, you have all these experiences Mm -hmm. that mount up to kind of check these boxes that we want. So for me, you know, there have been times where like my personal life has been like Mm banging and my career has been scary. There have been times where my career feels really, really like flourishing and stable and then my relationships are suffering. So, you know, hopefully we all find a balance of that. But yeah. I think it's, for me, success became like an unrealistic thing. Mm-hmm. And so it, it really was important for me to redefine what that was and also give myself a break. Yeah. <laughs> when everything wasn't perfect all the time. Um, and so, yeah, I think success is more of a process mm-hmm. for I me agree. than anything. And I think it's also taking the time to really check in on all
0: aspects of your life. Mm-hmm. My friend once said she defines success, Abby, who's been on here, of being in flow. Mm-hmm. Just, you know, when things are kind of working in all aspects, not that like you're killing it at your job and you're the happiest you've ever been in your relationship all at once. That's kind of unreal expectations. Expectations, But everything's just kind of working. Yeah. And you feel
1: the flow and the motion. And, and I think also in that, I think success is less about what you're doing and, and what you're encountering and the things that are happening, but how you feel about it. Yep. Like, the like success for me has been being in a relationship that's been tough and me not having an exit strategy right away because that's yeah. my usual norm. Working like, through it. even though that might not look like success to you or to someone else, like, that's a success mm-hmm. for me. And... And the same is in career. Like, when Mm -hmm. things get scary, I'm an over-planner. I'm, like, Virgo to the core.
0: I'm a Virgo. You are? Yeah. Yeah, there you go.
1: We're We're tough, but we're, like, amazing in Mm -hmm. a lot of different ways. But, But planner to the core. And I've gotten, you know, kind of, like, the rug pulled out for me in my career before. And... And not going to a place of immediate fear. Yep. Uh, doing something brave rather than doing something safe. Like, those things are success to me. Mm-hmm, um, it's less about getting the dream job. It's about, like, okay, what is the personal growth strategy that I implemented getting there? Yep. And also just being okay with also, like... Being imperfect. I think that's for mm-hmm. my personality and maybe yours too. Of yeah. like perfectionism isn't Total. success necessarily. Yeah. Sometimes it's like dealing with our own crap. Do you mm-hmm. curse on this podcast? Oh, hell yes. Okay. I say fuck okay. every five seconds. Okay. Okay. I was like, I was like, I don't, I never want to drop like nope, dick drop quad, but like want. we'll, we'll do it at some point. So
0: I am... I don't know a ton about horoscopes. Everything I read about being a Virgo is it really checks off all of my things. So I'm definitely a type A. I, I would say I'm a recovering perfectionist. Yes. Because growing up my entire life, I was a super perfectionist. And up until a year ago, I was very much like, you know, I played sports my whole life. I went to work in sales and trading at J.P. Morgan. It all fed into my, like, I have to be the best. I have to work hard for everything I get. Right. And if I'm not the best, then I lost. Um and it's so, 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 so changed over the past year. But I would say like what you were saying of being an overplanner, I'm a total over planner. Um, and having the rug swept out from underneath you, something that I recently has helped me redefine success is like I have days, I suffered from a very bad concussion a year ago and I still get pretty bad migraines every mm. once in a while. And for me, what I found in a weird way of like, oh, this was a successful day, was I remember recently I had a day that was planned from 7 a.m. until 8 p.m., like meetings, really serious, like things that I definitely did not want to miss. It wasn't like, oh, grabbing lunch with a friend that I see every week. And I woke up with a migraine and was like, well, fuck, I have to cancel everything. And I called every single person and was like, I'm really sorry, but I have to put myself first and I have to cancel. And I laid on the couch all day. And I remember that night. I would have beat myself up a year ago if I had done canceled one of those things, but I told myself like that was a successful day. Yeah, like, that is what I needed, and I did it. And I think it's an that's amazing success. thing
1: to have like that sort of personal growth and be able to like look back and go, okay, like old me would have handled mm-hmm. this in a completely different way. Yeah, um, have you ever? do you how often do you on the podcast redefine success for yourself like has that changed since you started not even with success for the podcast
0: yeah so interesting question I've had one person ask me back like how would you define it um but that episode was very recent and I actually recorded a solo episode where Mm I talked about my journey of just like going from sales and trading to quitting my job to doing this full time. And so I answered the three questions myself. So I would say my definition hasn't necessarily changed since I started recording, since it's only been a few months. But the success of the podcast, I would say in the beginning, I was very focused on like how many listens am I getting? Mm. Um, Like the statistical numbers of it all. Like what are my rate and reviews? Like how is it doing? And it was more just I was so excited that it was out there and I was – in all of the amount of people that were listening and the great feedback I was getting, now I view it way more of, like, the feeling I feel when I leave the studio and I call my husband after every episode and I'm like, I am on such a fucking high because I love that I get to do this. Yeah. And I had a really kind of change in thought process um, two weeks ago, actually before I recorded – or last week before I recorded Jarrah's, I was coming home on a Sunday and I was at the beach and my younger sister had all of her friends there and they are a year out of college. Mm -hmm. So they're in the depths of Sunday scaries of like this is the real world. I hate it. And I used to have that really badly. And even when I first quit my job and I was doing this full time, I still would have them on Sunday because I was doing meal prepping on Mondays, whatever. And I was so excited to get home on Sunday to go to bed to wake up on Monday because I got to record an episode with someone yeah. I really admired. And I was just like – I turned to my sister and I said, I'm really sorry for rubbing this in your face, but I'm fucking excited for Monday.
1: And an amazing that thing when you can kind of transform yeah. – you know, this this thing that used to be something you dreaded into something that you yeah. really love.
0: And so that, for me, really changed the way I viewed success of the podcast, of the feeling I feel when I leave an episode because not only am I so fortunate to be talking to such incredible people, but I love that I'm sharing conversations about important topics with an audience. Yeah. And, like, I'm sure you get a lot of messages saying from people being, like, this episode helped me with XYZ and that's why I want to do it. I totally. just want to try and help
1: people. Yeah, I think it, it's... I think with everything that we do in life, I think we, you start out because you want personal, like mm-hmm. you want this validation, you know, yeah. you want something. And then I think over time it you grow Yeah, and you're like, oh, this is actually for my own like fulfillment oh, and totally. joy and thriving. Like this isn't just about like how, you know, people respond to me. This is how I feel about myself. Mm-hmm. And I think that's like, that's just like maturity. Yeah, so it's, it's interesting because I knew what you were gonna say. Yeah, um, because I felt the same. I way. I was gonna say, did you feel the yeah, exact same of way? Of course, of course. And like, you know, I think measuring success uh, or like or how you feel about success in a podcast is this. It's, it's, it's if you look at your life, you know, mm-hmm. you if you scale back and go, okay, yeah, when I was younger, I, I cared so much about what people thought of me. I cared about so how I was viewed in the world. I cared about like, you know, the quote unquote. Uh, listens and views to my life yeah. and and then once I think you you become more mature you're like um, I do the things that make me feel happy I I do the things that make me feel full um, I care about the quality of mm-hmm. people in my life not the quantity of people in my mm-hmm. life and so you know I not that I can read your mind but I think we we share an, an experience there that definitely is definitely like important to like realize
0: yeah and I honestly think I do a lot of self work Mm -hmm. I see a therapist weekly I meditate daily I am all about like self-help books to an extent like I love certain ones yeah um I put a lot of effort into being the best version of myself that I can and I'm not talking about in a physical sure I work out but I mean mentally like I want to be the happiest of myself and I definitely went through a phase where I was not and I think it's taken me getting back into this happy feeling to realize how low I may have been just a year ago. Yeah. Um, Perspective. Yeah. It's a real bitch. It's so serious. But I just turned to my husband last week. We like, we were at the beach and I was like, I'm the happiest I've ever been. And I just feel fucking great. And you know what? I know I acknowledge what has gotten me to these moments and I'm just going to keep doing the shit that makes me feel good because, and it's exactly what you were saying. Like, Quality over quantity, whether it's people or work, it's so easy to flood ourselves with everything. It's mm. really like taking a step back and be like, okay, but what am I enjoying? And how do I do more of it?
1: Yep. Absolutely.
0: What do you think? I know you said that you have an old you that you reference, and I feel the total same way. Can you give us a little bit of a in depth, like, or not in depth,
1: but an overview of what the old you was and kind of what transformed
0: into the new you? Yeah.
1: I mean, I think I grew up – I grew up an only child and, mm-hmm. like, moving a lot. Tough, like, tough childhood in some senses and a very happy childhood in some senses. Like, my mom mostly raised me mm-hmm. and, like, you know, moms and daughters have a tough relationship, yeah. I think, generally. Just, like, there's 100%. just, like, shit there that – just like mom and daughter shit. Yeah. I, it's just difficult. And – We've all got it. Yeah. Like, I don't know that. I mean, when I hear of a girl that's like, oh, my God, my mom and I are, like, have always been, like, best friends. I'm like, what the fuck? Really? I I, Like, that perplexes me because Mm -hmm. I'm like, were you never a teenager? Like, and then, you know, I think for me with my mom in particular, like – I knew how much she loved me. Mm -hmm. So that kept us bonded. But then it's also like we're both very independent people. Um, I think growing up as an only child, I was like wired for it. We moved a lot. And so I was like very, very equipped for change Mm -hmm. my whole life. And I think that's been something that's been so – I hated it when I was young. I hated moving every three years or four years of my life. And that was something that I really – I really resented about my childhood. Mm -hmm. And I resented it as it was happening – But what what is incredible is um, I look back on that time now and I go, oh, my God. Like, if I hadn't moved every three to four years, Mm -hmm. like, I wouldn't. Be so good at my job. I, I would. It shaped you. Yeah, it shapes you. You know, the the shit that you hate is actually the stuff that sharpens you mm-hmm. the most. And so, like, I remember feeling like it was so unfair to walk into a lunchroom on the first day of school so many times in my life and yeah. have to make friends and sit down and have to say, Can I sit here? Mm-hmm. Or have to be like, I'm Shanae and mm-hmm. this is what I'm about. Or, you know, being able to like transition into something new and kind of pivot my whole life. Yeah. You know, without without any kind of rhyme or reason to it other than my parent my parents' rhyme or reason. And mm-hmm. so you know, as I hated those things, like those are the skills that allowed me to sit in a a room and interview people. Yeah. It allowed, it allows me to know what the outsider might feel like so I can talk to them. Mm -hmm. You know, it allows me to be more empathetic. It allows me to understand that change is inevitable. And especially in being someone that has their own business and is freelance, like being equipped for it. Mm -hmm. And so like, take the shit that you hate from your life and, you don't have to be thankful for it necessarily, but you do have to realize that it is, it's integral to who you are. yeah. Um, and it gives you power and it gives you strength and, and all of those things. Um, it doesn't mean you can't fucking hate it still.
0: Yeah, but, well, I would say I actually, so I would say my mom is one of my best friends, but I would also say, and I think people always get the miss I mean, everyone sees the highlight of everything on Instagram for the most part. So, like, when I show my mom, we're joking around, love her to death. And I do – we have a very, very close relationship, but we fucking fight like sisters. Totally. And people – someone asked me, like, you never fight with your mom. I'm like, if you could hear the way we scream – like, I grew up in a house where we were allowed to yell at each other. Yeah. I don't know. It's just my parents have been dating since they were 15. They are brother and sister. They right. bicker like brother and sister. They love to push each other's buttons. But I don't know anyone that loves each other more than the two of them. So they love and they – not hate, but, you know, but they, yeah, they, they, they butt heads. They, they heads. And we grew up in a house where, you know, I was I was cursing at a young age. Like, we're, we just – we say all of our emotions, how we feel them. And so I, like, will still say things to my mom where, like, the next day I'm like, I cannot believe I said that. Like, I feel like a huge bitch. And I'll call her and apologize and whatever. But – you know not every relationship even if you're best friend like people still fight there's totally. no totally
1: and that is yeah. that is a real relationship exactly i mean that that is part of it and i think family is just like you know you can't choose them and yeah. like the thing is it's like it's with closeness it's just like with any real relationship mm-hmm. like all the relationships like love relationships that i've ever had romantic relationships that if you never fight or you never butt up against each you're other kind of um something. there's no depth yeah. i mean th- that means you're you have a lack of depth and I and agree. not to say that like you know i've had more some relationships that are more argumentative or more mm-hmm. conflict you know surrounded than others but like if you find yourself in a relationship where you're like we never have conflict and we never fight mm-hmm. and we never like it, to me that that is more of a red flag than someone that's like yeah, we argue. Yeah. Well, because it's also a sense of challenging each other. Yeah. And there's a way to have the
0: conversations. Joe, I, People ask me all the time, do you fight with Joe? I'm like, we don't necessarily fight because I say my opinion every 10 seconds. Right. If he's doing something that's bothering me, I'm like, okay, can you have to stop that because it's really bothering me and you're close to like really triggering me to scream. So stop right now. Or it's like, you know, when you do X, Y, Z, it makes me feel this way. Yeah. And so it's challenging each other. But I would also say back to you moving and how you took a part of your life that you hated and it's helped shape you. I'm someone I never moved. So I, well, technically I guess I moved out of New York City when I was three, but every memory I have is in one house in New Jersey. Mm. And I have a really hard time with change because of that. Yeah, I am a tradition-focused human and I, it, change causes me a lot of anxiety because of the fear of the unknown. And we recently, my parents had a beach house that we had for 15 years. And they sold it and granted we were in moving within the same town a mile away, but it was the first house I've had to say goodbye to. And I acted as if my parents passed away. Right. I walked around to every room, I was hugging the walls, I was hysterically crying, This is last year. Like I'm not a child, this was last year. <laughs> and it's something that I really struggle with. Yeah. Change in general, and especially being, you know, my own boss and having my own company. Your throne change, you don't all fucking the time. know what the next day or the next month holds. And it's something that's taken a lot of work for me personally to be comfortable with that.
1: It's so funny because then, you know, what's what's interesting in our our dichotomy here is like you're probably really good with like hunkering down mm-hmm. and like commitment and like, yes. like consistency. Mm-hmm. And that's like, I mean, I'm good with consistency with myself, but yeah. like, it it was always very hard for me in like like romantic relationships to like settle down a little mm-hmm. bit. Like I did that idea for me was really complicated. Yeah. Um, like the idea of like any time in my life that felt really stable, that there was no change, I was almost like, When's the other shoe gonna Wait, drop? I was just gonna say, When's yeah. the other shoe? So, yeah i am I w I'm I'm that person. So if it's mm-hmm. not moving and changing and kind of feeling unsteady, I'm like What's going on?
0: Yeah, so we're both. It is interesting because it's total opposite yeah. sides, but it's it shows that you just seek comfort in what you're used to. And to the commitment aspect, I married
1: a man that I dated for eleven years. Yep, so there you go. It, yeah, to the and, and I like, you know, I get to relationships kicking and screaming. Yeah, but I think, but I think you know, n- neither is better. No, you know, neither one is better, not. and I think that that's the beauty of being human is, like, we all have all these, like, different experiences that shape us and, and mold us, and then we all get to a place where we're, like, okay, we're just trying to find where those pieces mm-hmm. fit in, and then we're trying to compensate for the other ones. Yeah. You know, to be, like, whole, healthy humans that mm-hmm. – but, but, I, but I think it's also about forgiving yourself for the things that you're not, like, amazing at because you have yeah. to – This is, people really beat themselves up these days about, like, what they're not. And the thing is, it's like, we all go through conditioning. And Mm -hmm. there's so much, there's so much comparison in life right now. Just with, like, I mean, not only social media, just, like, we just have so much more information about the world mm-hmm. and how everyone is doing everything. And we're also very focused on like quote unquote bettering ourselves. Yeah. Which can
0: be great, but not if you're constantly on a mission to be better. Like right. sure, you want to be the best version of yourself, whatever, but sometimes you can just be like, oh, I'm actually, I- I'm good right now.
1: Yeah. Like, and I'm it's okay. also like, are you being better for yourself? Are you exactly. improving on yourself? Or are you being better as it relates to others? Mm-hmm. You know? And I think that's like, so exhausting so exhausting. um I found it very exhausting for a very long time and and you know when I get into those places I don't get into places very often but when I do you know I have to like snap myself out of it make mm-hmm. a few changes in my life of like I mean even like you know friends not even like yeah. Instagram or whatever but just like friendships like mm-hmm. you start to get in your head like well their career is more stable their mm-hmm. relationship is better there oh I wish I had that relationship with my family like you know you get in your own head and it's kind of about stepping back and being like okay there are things that I'm sure they feel the same about me but Mm -hmm. it doesn't at the end of the day it doesn't really matter it's about just going breathe in breathe out what is the shit I need to take care of what is the shit that I can let go Mm -hmm. probably more focus on that and like for me I, I have to go okay maybe I'm not so good at like you know, I I guess I shouldn't really be waiting for the other shoe to drop. So I go to therapy. I talk about why the fuck I expect the other shoe to drop and, Mm -hmm. like, what I can do to manage that and, like, whatever small step you're taking towards kind of, like, managing the fear that you have or the the pain that you have or the difficulty that you have, Mm -hmm. like, whatever little step, like, that's progress.
0: I totally agree. So are you someone that if I said next week – I have a trip planned to I don't know let's just say like the Bahamas Mm -hmm. and I have an extra seat will you come with me everything will be paid for would you be so excited at the opportunity be like oh my god I get to go somewhere next week like immediate like that because that to me is like oh my god I have stuff going on next week and I have to like you know what I mean I have a friend who like I always use this example of how we're so different she's one of my best friends. But our other friend called her and was like, hey, do you want to come to my beach house for the weekend? She's like, "Um, I'm, I'm literally at the beach of Coney Island. I have nothing with me. And my friend's like, I'll come pick you up and I'll just drive you to the beach and for the weekend.
1: And she's like, yeah, sure. I'm like, yeah, Deanna, I could never in a million years do that. No, that's okay. definitely not me. But I think I would be like, okay, um, I'm, yes, but where are we staying? What are we doing? Oh, well, yeah, where's the Excel doc? Everything. You know, where's the Excel okay, doc, so doc like with like the plan? Like that, yeah. But like. I I think I do want to be that person. Me too. Like I want to be it um so I kind of am somewhere in the middle. Like I'm mm-hmm. like that does sound fun. And like yes and I'm I love adventure and I love that stuff yeah. but but definitely like oh god like do I have the right sort of like skincare? Yeah. Like I you know like fuck like I need to go shopping. I need to like yeah. have my things and it's like so I think as I've gotten older, I've become a little better with that kind because of... Because
0: you also haven't been moving a Yeah, so and I've been routines. in New York for
1: 12 years now. So yeah. it's the first time I've, I've felt like, okay, I'm in one place. I feel really mm-hmm. good about it. Like, I, I I, feel like in my career, I'm like digging down yeah. something. Even though there's, there's change every day, I'm digging down. But I do think like... You know, you, you kind of got to go, okay, what are my little idiosyncrasies? Like, yeah. my little idiosyncrasies are, like, I have to constantly, like, I have to know 50%, 60% of, like, mm-hmm. what the fuck's going on that's at insane. all times. Mm-hmm. Um, I th- That percentage of not, not knowing and being okay with that has gotten bigger over the years. Yeah. But I'm still, like, and that's just, like, how you are. Yeah,
0: and then I also – I said, like, I wish I was more like that. And My therapist was like, well, maybe she – like, because I bring that – I brought that situation yeah. up. It's like, but we all wish maybe we're a little bit more like the other side, and it's finding that balance. And yeah. it goes back to just, like, being okay with what you're comfortable. I think the whole thing is seeking – not seeking, but becoming more comfortable with the uncomfortable. Right. Because the, uncom- the zone of uncomfortableness is how you actually, like – push through things mm-hmm. and how you improve on things, whether it's relationships or fitness or whatever.
1: Yep. You, Absolutely. Being
0: a li- like pushing outside of your comfort zone a little bit and seeking comfort in that area.
1: I always – I went through like a pretty like significant like weight loss at one yeah, time I in my life. Yeah, I want to talk about that. Um, but – and I don't – it's it doesn't feel like a real like huge part of me to mm-hmm. be honest because I, I don't – I still don't really like – Identify like body with like how I feel about myself that much mm-hmm. like truly I I don't but I remember right after I lost a lot of weight I had never worked out in a sports bra and I always like saw people working out in sports mm-hmm. bras and not that I was like oh I want to work out in a sports bra but I was like wow that's like a like a level of comfort that totally you know I was like wow that's that's yeah. like not something I ever th- think is in the mm-hmm. realm of possibility for I feel me feel that way about people who work out in low-waisted leggings yeah exactly so I'm like (laughs) so I'm like one day I was like what the fuck like who cares like who Mm -hmm. cares so it's like okay you know what you're gonna put a sports bra on or you're gonna take your shirt off just while you're stretching like you're done you're done with your workout you're sitting here you're stretching to take off your shirt you're hot and sweaty it's sticky like you're just gonna take off your shirt and stretch and, like, then you're going to put your shirt on and leave. And it's, mm-hmm. But but making that decision, for me, what, it wasn't about, like, being like, okay, I'm going for a 10-mile run in my sports bar right now, yeah. and I don't care who sees. It's, like, a small decision to be brave mm-hmm. and to risk something that feels heavy and it feels challenging and it feels embarrassing or it feels tough. And I did it, and I was like, wow, that really wasn't a big deal. Yeah. And, like, so that's kind of how I approach everything now is, like, okay, you don't have to swing to the fences for change. 100%. You can just do little tiny things that shift your perspective just a little bit. Mm-hmm. And, and you don't have to be 100 right away. You know, yeah. we're all in a process. And so now I look back and I do class without a shirt on all the time and I'm less fit than I was at that time. But I'm like, it just took me allowing myself mm-hmm. to make small tiny risks having low expectations but confidence that I'll get there. Mm-hmm. And then you get there and you're like, wow. Wasn't that hard? That 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 felt like less of a hurdle because I put so much less pressure on mm-hmm. on getting there fast. Yeah, and
0: I also think it's the option of the example of, okay, and then I'll put the shirt back on if I want to. And I yeah. actually just talked about this the other day on my stories. I used to be a really big runner. And so I used to run, I ran a few half marathons. Like my weekend would be like a nine mile run on a Saturday. Now, that's my nightmare. Could not do that in a million years. Um, And so I was going for a run this weekend. And, you know, it's the same like street I run down and back at the shore every weekend. And I think it's a total of like three ish miles. And I started, and within five seconds I was like oh my legs hurt this sucks and so I stopped and I was like should I just go back to the house grab my mom and go for a walk and I'm all about like you know whatever you want to do listen to your body but then I was like okay I didn't even give it a chance right. so I'm gonna run those five blocks and at the end of that if I feel better I can keep going and if I don't then I'll go back to the house and it is what it is and it doesn't matter and then I ran the five blocks and I was like oh I feel fine I'm just going to keep right. going. It's giving yourself the option of failure. And I forget who um, someone was on a podcast I was listening to, and he said the best piece of advice my dad ever gave me, I think it was Will Ferrell, was that, yeah, it was. His dad said when he was decided he wanted to be a comedian, his dad was like, you know what, go do it. If five, and in, if five years you decide it's not right for you and you don't succeed, nothing will, nothing will matter. You yeah. can go back and do whatever you want to do. And that's such not a normal parental advice to be like, it's okay to fail. You know, like, at least I didn't receive that type of advice. And he said that's all he needed because going into it, the expectation was, if I fail, then whatever. Like, we're all so afraid of failure, but what's really the worst thing that could
1: happen? Yeah. No, I definitely think that. I mean, I think in specific cases, like, you know, I feel – at this point, very privileged to have the option to fail and to have it It not be for like survival. But, Mm. but definitely, you know, if you're at a place that's comfortable and like you are risking just, you know, it's a personal risk rather than like your whole life. Yeah. Like a life risk. Definitely. Um, I think, I think for me, like also recounting every failure that I've ever been through, whether it be like a lost job or, or something didn't, a relationship Mm -hmm. didn't work out or whatever, you know, if all of those things didn't happen, I wouldn't have a lot of the things that bring yep. me a lot of joy now. And I know that sounds very trite, of like your failures bring you to your like, mm-hmm. you know, the point of success or or like into joy or whatever. But it's so freaking true. It's so true. And like people are always like, oh, I failed, and people tell me this on Instagram, like, I failed, or like something happened, and I I it, I don't feel like it's leading me to like where I'm supposed to be, and mm-hmm. I'm like, you're not there yet. Yeah. Like like you have a very limited fucking view of your life. I'm mm-hmm. sorry. We all have a really shitty shitty barometer for what our life's supposed to be. Totally. We all have really bad plans. Like mm-hmm. we all are terrible at predicting our own lives. And and the thing is is it doesn't matter if you do it or not. Life is going to happen to you. Like yeah. unfortunately and fortunately. Mm-hmm. You know, like we can we can check every lock. We can, you know, touch every door handle, we can do all the things to make sure that we're safe. But like life has a way of being like, this is, this is out of your control and you can, and you can, you can guide it for sure. And you can make choices that kind of guide your path. But like at the end of the day, like life kind of overtakes you. And Mm -hmm. so for me, it's been about going, okay, the things that I've, I've failed at and it's felt like out of my control have really been the things that have put me really in control of my life and really have equipped me for um, kind of being the happiest person that I can be. Mm -hmm. Um, But when you're in it, you have no perspective for it.
0: None. And I always say, I actually have gotten a lot of feedback on this via Instagram of like you seem to handle rejection and failure very well and look into the positive aspect of it. And my response is, If I fail at something or if I get rejected by something, then it just wasn't what I was supposed to be doing. Yeah. And I've accepted that. You know, yeah, sure, it fucking sucks. And in this industry, I get rejected all the goddamn time when I think about all of like the brands I reach out to or, you know, things I apply for or whatever. But if it doesn't happen, then okay, fine. That's not going to happen. But there's something that's meant to be or a better fit for me, or just in general, something I will enjoy more, that's around the other corner. Mm-hmm. And I think I had such a you know, narrowed focus on life, and it was exactly what you were saying earlier, where I thought I had control of everything. I was a control freak. And I got hit by a car a year ago, a little over, I guess a year and a half ago, um, when I was crossing the street in Brooklyn and suffered from a very bad concussion. And that's what ended up, I was on disability from work and that's what eventually made me quit my job and do this full time. So, yes, it would be very easy for me to sit and be like, I had the crosswalk. I looked both ways. I was not on my phone. I did everything in my control. But the fucking car still came fast around a corner, hit me, and it is what it is. Right. But – that's what led me to now be doing what I'm doing. Yeah. So it sucked. And I, you know, I weirdly wrote a thank you letter to the guy who hit me. I was like, you changed my life. And now I'm able, I'm pursuing my dreams because I had such a reality check.
1: You're like, but fuck you about the migraines. Yeah. <laughs> fuck you about the migraines. And fuck you for all the insurance shit I had
0: to go through. But it's really like, I say, what I say is you can't control your life. All you can control is the way you react to things that happen to you. Yeah,
1: And also like... Failure can be protection from the shit that wasn't for you. Totally. Like that protected you from something that mm-hmm. you weren't supposed to be doing. Yeah. Was it,
0: there one big failure that you can think of?
1: Yeah, I mean, I mean there's so many. Oh my god. Um I mean, I think the the biggest one for me was um I had a job of 8 years. Mm-hmm. I was I was happy there. I think when you I think when you reach real joy and real mm-hmm. fulfillment, you look back at times you thought you were happy and you're like, oh my agree. God, I was like feeling very average about my life yeah. at that time, but it feels like <laughs> you thought you were happy. Yeah, I mean, you have no, you, you don't have a, you know, you don't have a temperature for it. Yeah. So what were you doing? Um, I was a marketing director uh-huh. for a luxury furniture brand. And I loved my job. I loved yeah. the people I worked with. I really liked my boss. I liked, I had a lot of creativity. I had been there for eight years. It was my first job ever in New York. Mm-hmm. And I stayed there for eight years, which is for like a young professional. It's a lot. In like the, you know, in 2007, that was like starting in 2007, like, that was, like, unheard of. Everyone was bouncing jobs. Everyone 100%. was at startups. Everyone was, like, kind of jumping around. All my friends were, like, mm-hmm. leaving once a year to go to a new company. Yeah, and you're I felt technically like, a millennial, right? Yeah, I'm a millennial. Yeah. And and it's I was very just, very like, uncommon. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so I was, like, wow, this is, like – I feel weird that I, like, feel fine being here. And I really did, and yeah. I really did enjoy and found fulfillment in my work. The thing was – is um that got very comfortable and very safe mm-hmm. um I was making not n- not as much money as I wanted to, but I was like, well, but you know I could go and make more money somewhere else, but maybe it won't be as yeah. fun or I won't have as much freedom mm-hmm. or uh, the hours won't be as good, or you know maybe I'll be miserable, yeah, like better to stay with what I know now mm-hmm. and um my boss of eight years pulled me aside and was like you're not supposed to be here anymore. You're, you're supposed to be an entrepreneur. Mm -hmm. Um, he's like, I can't pay you what you're worth. And like, you need to go out on your own and start your own company. Were you doing stuff on the side that he like, no. Oh, he just, okay. But I mean, I had been really integral in running our business Mm. and like kind of almost was entrepreneurial within our business. And he was like, you're supposed to go out and do other things. And he said, I'll pay for two months, go start a company. And I, I remember being like at this restaurant on Park Avenue, just like crying my eyes out, and he was crying his eyes out. And we were just like, I was like, what the fuck just happened? And he's like, Your last day's in two days. Oh my God. Um, so like talk about the rug being pulled out from under you. Yeah. Like it wasn't like, okay, like start thinking about no. It was in two days, clean out your desk of eight years, like get a new life. Holy shit. Do you still talk to this man? Um, yeah, we're in touch. Like, I mean, he gave me the best gift. No, that's ever. what I'm wondering. I'm yeah. like, it seems yeah, yeah. now, especially looking back. like, totally. Thank you, thank you. And he's so he's so mm-hmm. proud of of yeah. me, and and I'm so proud of. Like, takes a lot it, of courage it, yeah. on his end as well. Yeah, it takes a lot of courage because to let people integral. really. Like, first of all, it takes a lot of a lot of courage to, you know, let people go. Mm-hmm. But second of all, I think it takes a lot of. Um, Takes a lot of heart to really tell people and see in people what they're good at. Yep. And for me that was like a really big gift. And you know what? I think because my whole life I was like very unstable with like where I lived and what I was doing and, and family and stuff like that, like I got really cozy there mm-hmm. because I was like, I was like, oh my God, I've never had this. I've never had like consistency and it felt really good in the sense that it felt very soothing to me. Mm -hmm. But I think always in me was the desire for forward moving and for change. I just got really complacent because that felt different. Yeah. Like what felt different to me was steadiness. But after that, after that day, I mean, there's a whole long story about like kind of like where, where I got to where I am now, but I started my own company Mm -hmm. and I got my first client like two weeks later and it was just this, it was this real revelation moment of coming to terms with like, okay, now you got to fucking do it. Yeah. And I, I'd always wanted to do it, but mm-hmm. I was almost too afraid because of, of what I had felt, felt good, but also it felt like, I'm like, well, don't. Don't give up something that's been gifted to you. Mm-hmm. Like you have a good job, you have security, you have, yeah. you know, all these things. It's like if you, you know, if you give it up, that, you're being ungrateful. Mm-hmm. Like, I agree. You know, I, and, yeah, and, and, and really thoughts. and in in reality, you're not being ungrateful. You're 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 taking ownership over your life and your path. And like the thing is, it's like I always tell people. Um, I am no longer of the mindset that you have, your job has to be something you love. I think your job has to be something that you do and it doesn't, it's not toxic to you. It doesn't bring you down. But I think we are so focused on like, that our work has to be what we're passionate Mm -hmm. about. I think you have to be passionate about things in your life. Whether that's, your relationships or your side hustle or your art or mm-hmm. whatever you want to do, maybe it is your work. I'm not saying it's bad if you are passionate about your work. Mm-hmm. But I think we've been sold this thing of like, you must your work must be your passion. It must be the thing you live for. Yeah. And I just don't think it's that's an the unreachable case. goal. Yeah. And I think like for some people, sure. I happen to have a job that mm-hmm. is I'm passionate about. I'm I'm so thankful that like this, like, what I'm doing every yeah. day is what feeds me. But if you go to work, people listening here, and, like, if you go to work and a job, maybe you, you know, I, I don't know. What what does it feel like? Maybe you're, like, a marketing director or whatever, and you don't feel like, man, I feel so fulfilled by this. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't think that means, like, oh, I need to quit my but job and go, no. like, run away and, mm-hmm. and, like, do yarn sculptures or whatever <laughs> fucking floats your boat. But, like... Going, okay, but what am I passionate about? And how can
0: I do more time? And it might be on the side, but totally. find, just finding something you're passionate about. Yeah. I and it, what we, if,
1: if it's yarn sculptures, yeah. like, do that shit on Saturdays. Mm-hmm. Like, whatever you need to do. And and I don't think also, like, our passions have to be monetized. Like, no. I think I think that's a, a culture that we're in right now of, like, make your passion your yeah. hustle. And, and it's you like, should all be your own boss. Yeah. And, and it's like, you know what? There's dreams. a lot of fucking people that should not be entrepreneurs. Yes. There are a lot of people that should not be the boss. We need people that want to be part of companies that shift culture. We need some people, people need that
0: work. some people need the structure. Yeah. Like, also, it's a privilege to just be like, you should all go quit your job and follow your passion and do what you want. Like, there's so many things that got me and maybe feel the same way to be able to do this. So, yeah. like, I can't sit back and tell everyone to, oh, find your passion and make it your
1: work. A, hey, like, a lot of times you don't want your passion to be your work. And yeah, and also that's a fucking privileged thing to say. Exactly. Like, there's a lot of people that are like, I need to fucking I pay my paycheck. cell phone bill so I can like yes. stay in touch with the the small amount of family I have. Or yeah. I need to put food on the table for my five kids. And what are you telling them? Like your job because you're not passionate about exactly. going to work reception at a company that, you know, somehow your life is less. Mm-hmm. Like fuck that. Like maybe their I passion agree. is their kids. Maybe your passion is your hobby maybe Mm -hmm. your passion is running outside at night after you work an eight-hour job of a job that doesn't really fulfill you like we have to like stop putting people in the box this like fantasy box of what it looks like to be successful or what it Mm -hmm. looks like to be live a fulfilled life I think like that is so common right now it's so common on Instagram I hear it all the time live your passion if you don't like your job if you're not passionate about your work like go find something you aren't it's like No. First of all, check your privilege. Second of all, like, that is not everyone's story, and it doesn't have Mm -hmm. to be. And it would be very boring if we were. Yeah. And so for me, like, at that time, I go back and think to that job, and I say – Man, that wasn't my passion, but it made me find a lot of things I was passionate mm-hmm. about. It really helped me, like, sharpen myself as a person. And now I do get to do stuff I'm, I'm passionate about for work. And that's great. Maybe someday, like, my work again will not be the thing that drives me. Yeah. But I'm so I'm so thankful for that, what felt like failure, what felt like the bottom dropping out, uh, you know, that many years ago. I guess that was in 2015. And so
0: what was the company that you were starting? So Did I started an event, event planning? planning company.
1: Okay. Um, but, but on the side, funny enough, I had gone on a kind of a, a, an interview for a job, uh, doing social media like two weeks before I got fired. Okay. And it was mostly because I was like, I haven't been on an interview in eight years. Yeah. So I should probably just go to try to like see what's out mm-hmm. there. And it was for a social media job. So I actually started an Instagram account mm-hmm. for the interview because I had no experience in social media. Got it. So I was like, I have 300 followers on this thing. And it was in fitness as it related to social media. And so I started a fitness-based social media account. And what's funny is as I was pursuing my event planning company, the Instagram account started to grow. And that's like at one point I was doing both. Mm -hmm. And it was both were kind of flourishing. And I really had to make a decision of um, I'm going to do social media full time. Mm -hmm. But also I want to build this out beyond social media. I want to kind of build a personal brand here. but. You know, I I look back to that time and being, like, I remember just, like, walking on the street at, like, 11 at night, just, like, crying my eyes out and, like, walking by a florist. And I remember there was a sign in the the window that said, like, part-time help needed. And I Mm. felt so shitty about myself at that moment. And I felt so – almost so in disbelief about my own skills and my own worth that I remember writing that into my phone. I wrote the number down. I'm, like, I'm going to call them tomorrow, like – I'll just be a part-time florist maybe. And like, I was a marketing director for like yeah. a multi-million dollar company. Like, I didn't need to do that. But I felt so terrible about myself mm-hmm. at that moment. Not that that's a terrible job, but just like, the, I... It, it doesn't was, fit you. Yeah, no, like, no. All. And I and yeah. I I was just like, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking low of myself at this moment. Mm-hmm. And I remember the next morning I got up, I'm like, fuck that. Like, fuck that. I'm deleting this number. I'm not. Yeah. I'm like, I'm not doing that. I'm not doing that. Like, Mm -hmm. I'm not going to feed in and I'm not going to comply to the worst opinion of myself that I have. I'm not going to comply with that. And, you know, it hasn't been perfect. And there have been times where I'm like, what the fuck am I doing? And it's okay. Yeah. It's okay. okay. Like, it's okay to write down the phone number in your phone Mm -hmm. and then have to delete it the next day. It's okay to have moments where you're like, am I, what, who am I? What am I doing? Like, And then bounce back. You know, like that's just life. And, it, you know, having doubt, having disbelief isn't – you're human. And I think it's – I want to say one more thing about what we were talking about
0: in the job aspect. It's if you're in a place where you are dreading every single day going into a job and you are feeling toxic as fuck, then fine. Look somewhere else, figure out a passion and figure out what maybe can make your life work in a better way. But I also think it's like assessing the negatives of your life. And it's not like we're no one's going to live a life without any negatives, whether that's negative people, negative thoughts, negative opportunities, whatever. I think we also live in this world of like body love and body positivity. And, you know, I think there are. I I do believe that a lot of people do love themselves wholly. But I also think that, you know, people have negative thoughts about themselves. And whether it's about your physical body or your personal being or your job or whatever it is, let's not act like those thoughts aren't ever going to exist. But it's acknowledging the thought and then being like, no, I don't fucking have time for that. So yes, sure, I might think a negative thought, but then it's stepping back, assessing it. And like someone said, I was talking to someone yesterday and they were saying that they get really caught up in the what ifs. And mm-hmm. I do too. Yeah. It's a big thing for me. And a practice that I've recently instilled is that I'll sit down and I let my brain spiral. I let my mind go down the dark hole of the what ifs and I write it all down. And then I take a step back and I read it out loud and I notice how absolutely insane it all sounds and how there is zero shot in hell any of it would happen. And then I play an activity of, okay, it does happen. Let's just pretend somehow it happened. Now what? Am I still alive? Do the people I love still love me? Are they still alive? Like really – I am I would still be okay if this horrendous what if happened. Mm-hmm. Like I was very nervous about a project. My therapist was like, why are you nervous? I'm like, because I'm going to get there. And what if I don't know what to say? And what if I just totally blow it? She's like, okay, then what?
1: Right. And I'm like. Our worst case scenarios are not that bad usually. No. I mean, I, that's, you know, again, for some people they are. But for the most part, I think, um, you know, what's the worst thing that can happen is a very freeing question to ask.
0: Yeah. And so I, I totally just went on a tangent on that, like 100%. But I'm bringing That's it back. That's what podcasts are. It's I know. a series of tangents, tangents all
1: strung together with a few questions. Yes. And I'm trying to – I'm like, okay,
0: we still have to get back to – I. we will get into this because it's going to, I think, all come together right now. But when you started this, you were doing event planning and you were doing social media on the side. What year were you like, I'm taking social media full time?
1: um 2017 so i've been okay doing... so kind of recently yeah, yeah yeah i've only been really doing this full time as a job for two years um and how
0: is your is your main channel instagram yes yes has your instagram do you think grown over the two year or over the years that you started it to what it is now because you said it was originally fitness yeah so I... my
1: instagram handle used to be get fit brooklyn okay <laughs> <laughs> um I was I never intended to have any level of social social media notoriety. Mm-hmm. I didn't care about social media. I mean, I thought it was an interesting thing. I liked looking at my friends' photos. Yeah. But I never saw Instagram or social media as a tool to talk to people. And I think that's what really intrigued me when I got started. Even though I had three hundred people, I was like, wow. That's what kept me going is I was like, wow, I'm talking to three hundred people around the world. It's really cool. About something like about fitness and about yeah. wellness. Like I thought that was really interesting. And like I was like, wow, I'm like this is a very strange way to get to know people. Mm-hmm. But I was like checking in with people every day and like seeing what they were doing and seeing what they were talking yeah. about. And I was like, wow, that's that's new for me. I never used social media in that way. And so that's why I really beyond the job interview, when mm-hmm. I didn't get that job interview also, fun fact. <laughs> um you know, they said, you don't have any experience. Now I do this for a job, so it's funny. Yeah, another that, failure that got you to yeah, this. Yeah, exactly. And so what was what drew me to it was just, like, the community aspect. Mm-hmm. And so what I've tried to maintain throughout the process is um, maintaining that. Yep. Of, of constantly when I get caught up in, like, the bullshit of it, the work of it, the job part of it – going back and being like, what was the thing that like kept me here? Mm -hmm. What was the thing that made me want to do this was community. Mm -hmm. And so I think throughout my account on Instagram, I've always been community focused, person focused. Um, Oh, I don't want people to want to aspire to be me. Mm -hmm. I want people to be themselves um, more of themselves, the richer, deeper version of themselves. And so I started out in like fitness wellness and then my kind of whole kind of descriptor of wellness changed Mm -hmm. um, in the sense of like being wholly yourself. And so as that shifted, my content kind of shifted. Mm -hmm. I mean, I still talk about fitness and wellness, but I talk a lot more about mental health. I talk a lot more about body confidence. I talk a lot more about shaping your thought rather than shaping Mm -hmm. your body. Um, I, I want people to feel connected, like they belong, mm-hmm. but also that they're free to kind of flourish. And so my content now is like it's fully lifestyle. Mm-hmm. I, I I touch on a lot of hard things, yeah, I think. Which I love. Yeah. It's it's really fun to talk to people about, you know, mental health and feminism and politics and mm-hmm. issues. Like these things are important and I want to be very no holds barred on on social media. I think mm-hmm. that's what, what a lot of social media is missing. Um, and there's a lot of people that do that, not just me. But yeah, so for me, it was a it's a transition. I think the work aspect of it has mm-hmm. transitioned in like finding a balance of like I don't want to be a billboard for yeah. things. Um, I also don't want to just be like, hey, you to have a happy life, you need to buy all this shit. Yeah. Um. I don't work with brands or products that I don't believe in, that I haven't tried, that I wouldn't recommend to a friend. Spend your own money on exactly. Yep. Um. So that's that's kind of like how I've you know kind of drawn a line yeah. between work and content that's meaningful. Yeah, and I want even I want even sponsored content to be meaningful on some level and add value. And so every day it's kind of like, how do I build community? How do I add value to people's lives? Mm -hmm. And how do I keep myself healthy and happy in the process of that? Mm -hmm. Which I think is a struggle too, of just being like turning your brain off, turning your phone off, not needing to broadcast every single thing, creating boundaries for yourself. Mm -hmm. For me, it's been um, pretty, actually pretty easy to create boundaries because I, I I don't, I don't truly get a lot of kind of like value out of, um, entertaining people. I I want to talk to people and I want to talk with people, but, um, like I've never been the like that 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 look at me like yeah. that's never been me. I really liked that dance. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you what you guys are really missing is the dance jazz that I just did. Yeah, I just did jazz. I was in show choir. Don't hate on that. But yeah, I I I think you know, I've stayed sane in the process because mm. of the boundaries that we've created. And Do what- you feel like do you feel like you struggle with the boundaries Andres. of like what to share and what not to share, or like yes. have you have you dealt with that with like work and your relationship and?
0: So mine is an interesting journey, and I was actually going to say, I would love your opinion on certain things that we can talk about after. But I basically started my account while I was at JP Morgan in sales and trading. Doing this, honestly, I started it drunk one night, and <laughs> it was full. This for the sole purpose of I followed a lot of food accounts. I loved food. I loved the New York City restaurant scene. And I thought, maybe I'll start an account. If I get a few hundred followers, maybe I'll get to eat free meals at my favorite restaurants. That was literally why I started it. Didn't tell anyone about it because I was embarrassed of like, oh, another food account, which is so stupid. Um, And then – I was also cooking a lot of food. I was bombarding my friends and family with text messages of food I was cooking. They were like, stop fucking They're sending like, me photos. please put this somewhere else. Yeah, literally stop blowing up my phone. So I decided I would just put it on this account. And if they wanted to, then they could look. Eventually, I started telling people about it. It was all food. You never saw one photo of me. You never heard my voice. In stories, I would do like recipes that I'd make on a Sunday and it would have like the instructions written out. I would post on my story like meals I ate, but it was all food. Mainly because I was working at such a demanding and serious job. I wanted to keep my two lives separate. Mm. I was covering very serious clients. I didn't want them to like, you know, nowadays I share my entire life on there, but Even what I'm doing now, as much as I love it, if I were still at JP and this were my side gig, I would not share half the shit I put out there because I wouldn't want like the black rocks of the world, my clients, to go be knowing all this personal shit about me. So I kept it very separate. When I quit my job, I had no real plan. Um, So like I am the person that I do totally acknowledge the privilege that allowed me to do all of this. Um, But I quit my job and was like, I will meal prep. I will do some sponsored content on my account. Whatever it is, I will make a way to find I will find a way to make it work because that's what I do. I will still get up at four in the morning, I will go to bed at 12 like I will find a way. I will put in as much effort to make this somehow work. And if I don't, in six months, I'll reassess and go back to my job. And that was the deal that I made with myself and my husband. and it was really then that my account changed because I all of a sudden opened up more. And mm-hmm. so I started, Posting stuff on my stories with my face in it. And then engagement grew. Like engagement in a sense If I never have really cared about the numbers. I've never tracked them. But I mean like people were responding to me. Right. And I felt like I was connecting. And that's what I mean by engagement. Like I fucking love connecting. Yeah. I love that I know these people. A, sure I've made actual friends that are other mm-hmm. people's accounts. But people that I don't even know who they are who DM me on the regular. And I feel like I have a relationship with them. Totally. Um, And then I really started opening the door behind like this is what my life is like, this is what I'm struggling with. It might look all daisies and roses from afar, but you know, I'm going through a lot of mental health things. I have severe anxiety. I was going through spells of depression and just stuff like that. And I started this thing called Unfiltered Days where the first of every month I was showing my face and talking throughout the entire day. I don't use filters on my story, whatever. Now it's my everyday because I don't use filters on my story and I just tell you everything anyway. So it's kind of pointless, but it's been a year now that I've been doing this the first of every month. Um, And I answer questions where I will answer every single question submitted. Doesn't mean I will like fully dive into everything, but I'll acknowledge it and talk about it. And I find such a sense of fulfillment and just joy of connecting with people on serious shit of like I had a, a panic attack my first panic attack I guess it was two months ago mm-hmm. when I was in a workout class and it came over me I, I felt weird going in I felt very high strung very anxious in the middle of the class I just was like I'm about to fucking like collapse I ran out of the class locked myself in a bathroom stall and hysterically cried for 20 minutes and and I left the class feeling so much better because I let it happen. And I called my mom and I told her. And I was like, is this something I want to share? And um, it wasn't even it, – it no longer became a question. I was like, of course I want to share this because this is going to help someone. Yeah.
1: Like absolutely. someone's going to
0: feel like I go through this. I didn't know I, other people have felt this. or And I am very open about my therapist and all of that. But I do struggle with keeping things for me. And I just had this conversation with my family because now that I'm becoming more open about certain things, and it's not just really about me now. And I wonder how you feel about this, but it brings in your family when mm-hmm. you're talking about shit, mm-hmm. or your significant other, or your siblings. And so I sat them down and was like, "I want to know what in our relationship, in our, in your life, what is off, what is like totally off boundaries. What am I not allowed to discuss?" And there are certain things – you know, my husband is much more private than I am.
1: Right. That's, and I think that's
0: always, like, an interesting – Very interesting. So I struggle a little bit with, like, I want to share so much. And just the other day, I he was doing something funny, and I wanted to record him. For me, he doesn't like to be on my stories, So I really just wanted the video for myself. And he's a big, like, life lesson. He's very – he keeps me grounded in many ways. But he was, like – you know, I was just reading – he's reading this Howard Stern book, and it's all of his interviews – he's like, keeps he saying that he felt, you know, he had to share everything with everyone. Like, this is how I'm going to build my audience. My audience wants to see this. They want to know more about my life. They want to know more about this. But really, like, the second he pulled back was when he was connecting at a further and deeper level. Because mm-hmm. it wasn't everything. It was what really mattered. Right. And so I am definitely working on my boundaries and figuring out what I want to share and what I don't. But I also struggle with, you know, my food is – I would say 75% food for every personal Instagram I post. There are three food photos. And so I have a hard time because I love the conversation. I love the deeper shit. I love talking about things that matter or pushing the boundaries or talking about taboo topics. Yeah. And that's why I started this podcast. But it's hard to take a look at my page and be like, does this show what I want it to, you know?
1: Yeah. I mean, I think, you know not just for people on Instagram but like does your life does your life have the proportions that you want it to yeah like does your life have the depth that you want it to are you having the types of relationships that you want to I mean this isn't just for people that do social media this is like mm-hmm. take a look at your fucking proportions Yep. like for me um and, and and again just to relate this to a larger audience not just people that do social but like you know, with creating boundaries of what you share, like yeah. creating boundaries of what you share with people in your life, mm-hmm. creating boundaries of, of like how much time you spend with people, yes. how much time you devote to your work, um, what access you give people into your life. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, the same rules apply, you know, whether it's thousands of strangers on the internet, yeah. or if it's, you know, your mother-in-law, like, yeah. Whatever it is, like you have to decide the amount of access that you number one feel comfortable with. But also like what is what is the balance of privacy and working things out? Like what mm-hmm. what I've found is when I wanna share, 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 I go inward and go, All right, why? And I go through these moments where I'm like, I want to share everything. But, yeah, I have but to it, but back you have to, go, like, you have to what, go, but like why? what is the motivation to share mm-hmm. this? Am I word vomiting because I want someone's affection? Am I wanting appreciation? Am I wanting, you know, a pat on the back? Am I wanting empathy? Like, what am I desiring? And, like, why am I seeking that at this moment? Am I really sharing something I learned? Or am I sharing something because I don't know what the fuck I even think about it? And so I'm testing the waters. And I've been there. I've been there. Mm -hmm. I've been, like, oh, like – here's something, you know, I'm going through. And it's, like, you don't even have this shit worked out in your own head. So, yeah. like, and I've I've really tried to pull back on that, of, like, until you have a fully formed thought, like, you don't need to go, like, the world is not your whiteboard.
0: Mm-hmm. That's a very interesting way of putting it. And I actually feel I agree with that, but I also find that I share things I'm going through in the moment because I feel when people as a consumer if I'm struggling with something and I look on Instagram and it's all like I was going through this and I and then now I'm here or like this is what I was going through a few months ago but I didn't share it with any of you in my mind I'm kind of like well then fuck like everyone has their shit together and I'm still struggling so I think it's finding the balance of like yeah I think sharing it in the moment
1: I think sharing in the moment but maybe not giving advice on it in the moment of like of like I think you can be like I'm having a panic attack. But, like, I think so often people go, I'm during, I'm I, I'm having a panic attack. And, like, this is how I'm, like, this is why. And this is, it's, mm-hmm. like, t- take a minute for yourself. But it's also, like, it is yeah. in this world and this job. But I think also in, you know, most people listening probably are not social media yeah. professionals. But, like, going in your life and being, like, all right. So let's say you have a fight with your significant other. Mm-hmm. So it's about making the decision, like, in the midst of a fight, do I want to run off and go call my girlfriend and just, like, let off steam? Do I want to just, like, yell into a void? Or am I actually having – trying to be productive here? Am I actually Mm -hmm. trying to have growth or learning or um, perspective? Like, what is my – what's my reason that I need to do this? And it's like, you know, in those moments, you know, it's like, maybe I shouldn't just go blab to my friend when Mm -hmm. I don't – have a fully formed thought about even how I'm feeling Mm -hmm. like maybe just take a beat it doesn't have to be a long time you don't have to be fully settled before you go to someone or 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 talk about it but just taking a second and being like what is my motivation and sharing Mm -hmm. step two is does this person have the authority in my life to give me critique Mm -hmm. like I think people all the time complain on Instagram that people hate on them and like I read this tweet one time that really. I don't know where it came from. I don't know if some, maybe someone famous said it. It was someone mm-hmm. non-famous on Twitter saying this. But she said the best piece of advice I ever got was, um, "Don't don't let critique sink in from people you wouldn't take advice from, and like you wouldn't ask for advice. Yeah, people you wouldn't ask for advice. So, you know, I think when you when we open ourselves up to just sharing widely mm-hmm. rather than sharing with precision. Mm-hmm. We sometimes are open ourselves up to opinions that are not based in truth and aren't maybe things that we need. We open ourselves up to a lot of noise. So I think it's about not about not sharing a panic Mm -hmm. attack right when it's happening. Like, I think that's fine. I've done that myself of like, man, I'm going through a breakup and it's really fucking hard. And like, I'm in the depths of it, but it's also about saying, okay, but the details of it, like the the history of it, like what do I want to keep sacred for my five closest people Mm -hmm. in my life what do I want to keep sacred for myself exactly
0: that's the other thing like keeping things for yourself yeah is something that's really fucking enjoyable sometimes
1: and it's and I you know even I find this like I found this in the start of my relationship the relationship I'm in now is the first one I've kind of like widely shared on social media and I mean when I say widely shared it's like
0: you've mentioned his name yeah he's been in photos
1: like whatever but it's definitely not like centered around Mm -hmm. my relationship but at, when I decided to finally share more of my mm-hmm. – that part of – I always shared all of my personal life, but never dating. Mm-hmm. I just wanted to keep it separate. I didn't want people involved. And also it affected people that were outside of me. Yeah. Like you said, it affects family. You know, it's 100%. just like there's there's another person's privacy involved. Yeah. But when, you know, I was finally dating someone that was like, I don't care, share anything you want. And I was like, okay, well, I feel like this is, you know – it's good to be open. It's good to be fully open. It's good mm-hmm. to be fully transparent. But I really did have to go through the boundary of like, I don't need to share every single thing we're privately going through. I don't also need to share every single little nice thing this person ever has done for me. Yeah, I don't need to kind of like tell that story in fine detail for everyone. I can give I can give people the highlights, but I also can keep a lot for us. I can we can work on things ourselves, and then there are some things that I just want to keep inside. And I mm-hmm. think like we're we're in a culture right now of just like, if you're not sharing everything, you're not real. Yeah, share, and share, it's share, like, share, share, share. It's like, be real, but share appropriately in your life. Share mm-hmm. appropriately. Like, don't the tell the cashier at Trader quantity. Joe's, like, yeah. that your fucking husband cheated on you. Like, mm-hmm. pick your people. Pick yeah. pick who's going to... Who are the people that you're willing to open yourself up to critique to because you'd go for them for advice? Mm-hmm. You know, like, who are those people? And, like, I think that will make us all a little bit more sane. Um, it will also lower the expectation of how we perform, whether that's online or in our lives. Mm-hmm. It will give us more clear reflections of who we actually are from the people that matter. Um, It's like the right sort of feedback. It's the right sort of help.
0: I feel like I'm learning so much because this is something I've been like considering and it's definitely something I want to implement. And it's exactly what we were talking about earlier. It's quality versus quantity. You want to share specifically and you want to share with a purpose. Yes. And just because you did bring up bringing your boyfriend into the world of your Instagram – There was one post that I really enjoyed from you that I wanted to touch base on is when I guess it was right after you announced. I don't know if you announced on a story or on a post that you had a boyfriend, um, but it was a photo of you and you were like and I'm, I'm obviously don't know the verbiage verbatim, but it was something of the sorts of, you know, I've began and successfully ran two companies on my own. I've done all of this stuff but I've never received more positive I'm so proud of you or way to go or whatever than when I, when I said I had a boyfriend. Like yeah. what the fuck is that about? Yeah.
1: It was crazy. I mean – and the, the funny thing is is people on Instagram have no idea that I've had like full relationships yeah. while having That's my true. account. And like, you know, I kept them private because mm-hmm. it was just like I was dating people either that wanted more privacy mm-hmm. or just like that I just wasn't feeling as sure about the relationship. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, I just wasn't prepared to share in that way. But, but I – You know, it wasn't about me necessarily, but I think we as women often are celebrated for a very few things, Mm -hmm. you know, like, and so many people chimed into that and was like, yeah, I graduated grad school, you know, it was like the hugest accomplishment of my life and people were silent. But when I had a baby, it was like the biggest deal in the world. It's
0: me quitting my job and getting married. Exactly. Never in my life have I gotten so much, in like, engagement, both from people, like, in the sense of response, but also like if I look at my numbers, then anything like my wedding is so much higher than any work I have put my hard work and so much effort into. Oh yeah. Was the piece that had my wedding video.
1: I mean, here's the thing. And and some people like if you if you're feeling out there like, ah, you know, like fuck you because mm-hmm. you like people want to be happy for you. Like let yeah, people fine. be happy for you. Like it's not about that. No. It's about a more equitable way of celebrating mm. our accomplishments as women. It is not about that you can't be excited for me that I have a boyfriend or a dog. Yeah. But also it's about saying, but how are how am I celebrating the people around me and their accomplishments that are outside of the mm-hmm. traditional constructs that women have been placed in? Like, may, it's not about not saying congratulations on your new relationship. No. It's about saying that's great and congratulations on getting that big promotion yeah congratulations on starting therapy congratulations Mm -hmm. on x y and z that are not surrounded by external forces because the thing is is like we get congratulated on things that are happenstance like falling in love having a kid Mm -hmm. like these things are not promised to everyone and they're not what makes us valid as women or people like, they're great things. They are to be celebrated. But there's a lot of other shit other that shit is, too. like, exerted through effort and through our own yeah. m- mental power and our own decision-making and our own hard work that also should be celebrated. And so it it is not about celebrating less. It's about celebrating more. It's not mm-hmm. about not being excited for someone getting married, it's about being also excited for what they're doing in their own life, their own growth. And so for me, like it was just so polarizing Mm -hmm. to feel that. And I, I, it's kind of like, like, congratulations seems so strange to me. It's like, congratulations, you happen to go to a bar on a Friday night Mm -hmm. on a Tinder date. Like, congratulations. It's like, okay, well, no, like, yeah, like, I guess it took effort to like, you know, put on makeup. Put on some eyeliner on. and like put a bra on. Yeah. Like I guess that like I guess congratulations. But like that happened on Happenstance. Like what didn't happen on Happenstance was all the hard work that I've done building two companies. Mm-hmm. What or or getting in a better place with my mental health. Or all the other various kind of like things that we've traversed. And so I think for me, I people I think even on social media like you know you find yourself scrolling by like mm-hmm. you know someone's op- someone has a big opportunity or something mm-hmm. that they've done but but then you know you stop on the baby picture you stop oh, on the totally. wedding picture you stop on these people things. fucking
0: love weddings yeah
1: and it's like you can love that yeah you're but totally we just need to, to love uh, we have to love all people's shit yeah because the thing that it hurts the the people that it hurts are the people that um what if you never meet someone yeah what if you can't or have a what kid? What if you don't want to get married? Yeah, there's tons of that. I mean, I, 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 for so many years, I was like, I don't know if I want to get married. I don't have mm-hmm. kids. I don't know where I stand on the whole thing now. Yeah, I, It's still something I contemplate and go back and forth on. But, like, you know, I just think we've we've been kind of holed down just into, like, one little box of, like, here are the this things. This how your that, life works. Here are the things, the boxes that you should check off that equal yeah. you being a successful woman. And I just I'm not saying that those check boxes don't matter. I'm saying let's make the box bigger.
0: Yeah, and also like I don't think anyone's congratulating on a guy on a new girlfriend. No. And I think weddings are one thing, and I get the whole like I, I it's honestly so funny thinking about it. I would never say congratulations to someone that got a new boyfriend because yeah, it's like oh that's I would say that's exciting. Tell me yeah, more cool. or something like that. But awesome. congratulations I get for the wedding aspect. That's a massive, massive you are agreeing to hopefully spend the rest of your life together. I get that, but it's it's also like the, my friend. Doesn't really think she wants to get married or have children, and when she tells people that, they're like, "Oh, you'll change your mind,"
1: or oh, like, yeah.
0: "No, no, no." And she's like, "Why do I have to change my mind? Yeah, like, I'm okay. Like, I'm actively deciding that I don't want that. I'm good with that. Why do you now need to get good with that?
1: Yeah, like hey, it's none of your fucking business. But I'll, like, it's crazy how much we have been conditioned to um, moderate 100%. people's lives and our own lives, but but also just like. Um. Yeah, being like, yeah, no, 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 like that. You possibly, you, you can't possibly have a different idea. Yeah. yeah. And so, yeah, I totally agree. It's, it's, it's a really, it's a really interesting thing. After you listen to this, like, you'll be more conscious of it. It's funny because I'm more conscious yes. of even how I speak to people about their relationships or you know things or you know whenever you have those girlfriends that you get together and all you do is like tell me mm-hmm. about your your boyfriend. Yeah, like you just so you just everything is surrounding everything surrounds like your work or your significant Mm -hmm. other. And I would just really challenge uh, all of you listening, but also just, I challenge myself to ask more interesting questions of my friends. Mm -hmm. Ask like, what are you really excited about right now? And let them fucking answer it. Yeah. Not be like, Oh my God, how are you and Mm -hmm. Joe or whoever the fuck your boyfriend is? Or like, how's work? Like Mm -hmm. be more interesting. Ask better questions of your friends. Ask better questions of people in your life. Like, What are you super excited about? If they say, it's Joe. I'm so excited about Joe. Great. Great. But like we have to open up the things that we are interested in about Mm -hmm. each other. And we need to stop putting ourselves into these tiny little boxes that we have. We didn't even create them. We didn't create them. No. And I think you also become so much more aware of something when you go
0: through it. When I got engaged, I was so offended by how many people when they first saw me would grab my hand. Let me see. And it was like, oh, uh, you want to see this piece of jewelry that, A, you probably care because you want to see how big it is, how much it compares to, like, what you have on your hand or, like, what you see on Instagram. But you don't want to say, wow, you just agreed to spend the rest of your life with a man that you love. That's really exciting. Like, the engagement aspect to me just became such a fucking, like, thing that it drove me insane people would come up they wouldn't even say i'm so happy for you they would just say let me see your hand so i actively will never ask a person to look at their ring and i said that to my friend the other day and she was like i almost feel like i'd be offended if you didn't ask to see my ring Mm. like what no No. I, i like i'm so much more appreciative of conversations with people around this topic of like oh my gosh are you like how are you feeling about the whole thing? And I was very honest about the whole process of like, I fucking hate wedding planning. Yeah. But it's a matter of the the boyfriends, the engagements, the husbands. There's so much more. That's just the surface level label. There is so much work that goes into all of these things. Yeah. And like that's the conversation that should be had, not how many carrots is your
1: ring. Yeah, and also like people are more than their spouse or their kids yes. or their work. Like people are very, very – there's a lot if you to a ask person. yeah yeah if you ask there's a lot more there mm-hmm. and and like we all we have a lot of different roles in our uh, roles we fulfill in our life and the thing is is we really limit it we really, really limit do. it to what's in front of them and we don't ask um we don't ask the best questions of each other and so I'm I'm trying to be more cognizant I'm not perfect at it but I'm trying to be better about just mm-hmm. just being more like it's so funny I was catching up with a friend and we were sitting at this taco spot in my neighborhood. And, um, you know, I was in a new relationship. She was, like, she was kind of dating a couple people and we are figuring it out. And and all of a sudden, we kind of just stopped the conversation. And she goes, she's like, I have, like, a question for you. She's like, what do you think about, like, like the universe? And I was like, what? <laughs> and But then we started talking about, like, yeah. the existence of, like, the future or, like, the it was such a like heady intellectual conversation mm-hmm. about like a- afterlife or like if we believe in like life beyond what we have and like it, yeah sure it was like a little awkward to get to that point but like we ended up having the most interesting conversation I love of like that kind of shit. yeah we like yeah. we really got into it and I was like wow We would have spent this whole time regaling like shit Tinder date stories Mm -hmm. when like we had this like really interesting conversation that really like kept me thinking and it was it was such a it was such a light bulb moment for me of like when we ask better questions we it may not always be like the easiest transition Mm -hmm. because we're so used to just talking about the same things but like before you sit down at dinner with a friend or your significant other and say like how's work? Mm -hmm. Like go prepared with something else yeah. with something more and i promise like you will have thicker more versatile more varied more interesting conversations because you're asking better questions mm-hmm. and like you know we, I think people are always like oh, my relationships are all the same and it's like this is where the rubber meets the road like not all your relationships are created yeah. equal and like who are the people that are going to go down the road of talking about the fucking universe with you and who are going to challenge you yeah yeah it was so it was such a light bulb moment for me like I was just like wow yes better questions better conversations deeper conversations 100 the world does not need to revolve around fucking what happens on a tinder date
0: And I also would challenge people – it's something I've been actively working on – of when you're in these conversations and catching up with people, it's easy to catch up. And then gossip has such a negative connotation because it's not always gossip. But talking about things in – like, you know, the surface level shit. Yeah. It's like getting rid of that and asking the questions. And so another thing that I really want to touch base on that everyone – I posted on my story that I was interviewing you and, like, send in some questions – you basically scream body positivity and body confidence on your page. And I mean that in a sense if you talk about it, but mm-hmm. you fucking walk the walk. Like, and I admire it so much. And I would love to know your journey. Were you always like this? Um, did it take a while to get there? Obviously, you said the sports bra story and kind of like giving yourself, pushing yourself outside of your comfort and being like, "Nah, yeah, just take off your shirt and like see what happens. And oh, I'm actually okay. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Uh, Yeah, I mean, growing up, I think like I was a mixed kid. So I always looked different than most people. Um, And then into college, I like gained a lot of weight in high school, in the end of high Mm -hmm. school, early college. I gained a lot of weight. And even throughout, like until I moved to New York. And the funny thing is, is like I was as confident, I was more confident at 225 pounds than I was Mm -hmm. at my thinnest. I definitely went through. A little bit of a mind fuck because Mm -hmm. I I was like, oh, I'm going to transition my life. And I didn't transition my body because I felt bad about it. Mm -hmm. I think that's actually what saved me. I transitioned my body because I wanted a challenge. And I was just like, oh, can I do this? It was more about like discipline and like learning Mm -hmm. than it was about like, I don't like this. I want to fix this. Exactly. So I think I actually... I think the reason why I was able to transform my body so easily was because it wasn't about ha- a hatred of my body. Mm-hmm. And so I the learning I took away from that is if you want to change, you have to start with, you know, an, a deep acceptance of what's there. And you can move from there. Uh, you can, If you start with, you know, the love of it, you can change. If you start from the hatred of it, it will always feel hard. It mm-hmm. will always feel really difficult. And so for me, I was always confident – in how I looked as, like, a kid, as a bigger person, and I think the, th- the the real shit of it was that when I started kind of losing weight and being really focused on fitness and being, like, really kind of controlling with, like, what I ate, and I never, mm-hmm. I, I don't think I ever got into, like, disordered eating territory, but I was certainly, like, meticulous.
0: Yeah, thinking about it a lot. Yeah, and, I didn't eat a yeah.
1: fucking carb for four years, so it's, like, yeah. You know, I really did get into it, and I and I really liked the learning aspect, and I liked seeing progress and things like that. But, but I became a really obsessed with like, if I walked into a party and people weren't like, "Wow, you look great," That's I would I be like, I would be like, wait, like, do I not look great? Do I look the same? Like, mm-hmm. I I got way more in my own head mm-hmm. when I was at my thinnest than when I was at my heaviest, mm-hmm. and I was like, whoa, 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 whoa first of all, I never disliked my body. Like that moment of like the sports bra fear was at my thinnest. It's so interesting. Like that was the point when I was so thoughtful of my body. And like I never talk about body positivity anymore. I always talk about body confidence because I do think like we all have negative and positive thoughts about our body. We have to hold them in one hand. Mm -hmm. And the thing is, is like, if you say you have to feel body positive and then there's days where you don't, cause then we're you, all fucking you, like, human yourself
0: for that. Yeah.
1: It's shame on shame. Yeah. You can't have that. Just like, let it go. You're never going to feel positive about your body all the time. You're mm-hmm. fucking human. Nobody does. I've talked to literal supermodels, literal supermodels about this. And they're like, yeah, there's shit. I hate. They're like, Oh my fucking elbow fat, whatever it is. Yeah. Like, like the, the shit that you hate about your mm-hmm. body is it has nothing to do with the yeah. size, proportion, color, Agreed. any of it. So, and then you
0: feel shame for feeling a certain way. And yeah. you're like, oh, well, if they are that so
1: positive about their body. That person's so body, body yeah. positive. Like, mm-hmm. I'm not body positive. So that's even – I'm even more garbage than when I started. Yeah. I'm not only fat, but I'm also, sh- like, bad at being body positive. It's mm-hmm. like, oh, my fucking God. Like, take a fucking breath. Yeah. But here's the thing. I think that, you know, it is about – for me, it was about – um going from that place of being so focused on my the way I looked, Mm -hmm. I I realize now that that was an incredibly selfish place. I was so – I had such an internal monologue going. I was so focused on me and my needs and my – the way I appeared to others that I was really losing a lot of my joy in other parts of my life. I
0: feel the same way. I went through very similar –
1: yeah, Trains, it's, like, it's really crazy yeah. how it fucks your mind. Like you only have enough brain matter. You only have enough energy. So if your life is consumed and obsessing about your body mm-hmm. or how it functions or how it looks, you will have less energy and less brain power for other shit. Yeah. Like it's science. Like you can't – you can only think about so mm-hmm. much. And so my thing isn't about – changing your thoughts on your body necessarily because it's really hard to do that. It's really hard to like – Very hard. It's really hard to just be like, no, I look good. It's really hard to do that. It's almost impossible Mm -hmm. and we ask people to do it all the time. It's about thinking less about it. Mm -hmm. It's about saying instead of me obsessing over every single bite of food I put in my mouth, I'm just going to think about this a little less. I can still care. Yeah. But just like put in perspective. And so for me, that meant gaining 15 to 20 pounds of sanity weight back Mm – that weight signified to me not obsessing. It, it, it was those like late night dinner parties where I have an extra glass of wine. It was missing a, a freaking class on a Saturday morning because I wanted to go for a walk with someone I was dating. It was not feeling bad about needing a couple extra hours of sleep. Mm-hmm. It was all of those things like thinking less culminated in being more grounded. I feel more grounded than ever. Like maybe the outside world will look in and say like, oh, you aren't because at my thinnest, I wasn't like uh, I wasn't that thin. I was I would I would say I was like a small size eight, like a mm-hmm. like a real true like size eight. And now I'm like an eight ten. And mm-hmm. but the thing is is I'm like oh my god, the amount of brain power, the amount of confidence I got back.
0: Yeah, and I I it's so interesting because I was always very small my entire life. I was like. A tiny little person who played sports her whole life, and that was just what I knew. And so then, senior year of college, I we had a month between lacrosse ending and graduating, and I probably put on fifteen pounds. And then it was like, I didn't know that, but and that that wasn't healthy. That wasn't like weight that I felt good about. That was just like so many beers, as many beers as I could pack in in one night right. for twenty five nights straight. Right. So, <laughs> the memories that were being made around those pounds, I don't even remember. Yeah. So. I ended up getting back into the size that I had been like throughout my life. And then it went a little further and I became very obsessed. I'm a instant gratification and numbers focused person. And so I never weighed myself in my life. I've never personally owned a scale, but it became the numbers around running. So Mm -hmm. it was, oh, I ran seven miles yesterday. Well, I have to run eight today. It's just such an easy thing to grasp and measure and compare and so that's where my obsessive became. And it was the same where I don't think I was ever in disordered eating, but I definitely fucking cared about everything that went into my body. And it was like, well, no, I'm not, I don't have disordered eating because I, I still eat ice cream every once in a while. But it was more like I was so fearful of foods. So much angst went into what I was eating, where I was eating, what was in it. And it took up so much fucking brain space when I look back on it that I didn't give enough of myself to others in my life because I was so fucking concerned about myself. Yeah. I was way too concerned about myself to ask anyone else how they were
1: doing. And or it's-, it's like the people, like I found myself like at a dinner one time and someone walked in with a Tupperware food to a yeah. dinner party. And, you know, like I get it. Like people need to do whatever they want to do and mm-hmm. I'm not shaming anyone for having a plan or needing yeah. to stick to a certain diet and I get it. Like I mm-hmm. get that. But I was like, man, man, that seems that's so a fucking... mindset. That's so fucking joyless. Like and I this, would be that person. Yeah. Like I would it have was, been that person. It was It was really like... Uh, that was a moment where I was like, ooh, like I I may not have shown up to the dinner party, but I would have maybe said I didn't want to go.
0: Yeah. And so I think recently, it's like honestly, when I say recently, I mean over the past six months, but really this month, I have let myself... Like I pulled out all my summer clothes when I, I store them in Ziploc bags under my bag. I pulled them all out and I went to try on a few things and I was like, well, none of this fits. Right, And a part of me, obviously, like I'm not going to act like this thought didn't come, was like, fuck, I need to get back into the size of this because this is when I looked my quote-unquote best and these things fit and now they don't. Like what has been going on? You've kind of let yourself go. And then I was like, I enjoy life so much more right now than I ever fucking did in those moments. And sure, if you looked at me side by side, I don't know if anyone – you know, there would be mixed opinions of which body people enjoyed more. Not that that matters, right? But mentally, there is no comparison to who was a loving, joyous, enjoyable—like every different category of happiness. I am more right now, and
1: and if if you don't think just, those things are tied, you're crazy. Oh, like, they so tied. I mean, you know, you know they're tied, but like things like the way we feel in our life doesn't happen on accident. Like yep. it is, it is a summation of what you've, what, what you, what you have going on yeah. and what you're putting in. And like, the thing is, is like when you, it, it's the same as like being in a toxic relationship with a mm-hmm. person. Think about if you've ever had a bad relationship, how much time and effort and like energy goes into oh like God, the relationship, thinking about the relationship, trying to correct the relationship. You You're in this vortex. The same thing can be said about your body. Mm -hmm. The same thing can be said about an obsessive work culture. The same, like you only have so much of yourself. You only have so much of your energy Mm -hmm. and like figure out like, are you in a vortex of something? Are you like, are even if you don't, it would not be labeled as a disorder or, or like abuse or Mm -hmm. whatever these languaging that you want to use, whether that's in a relationship or with food or with working out or whatever it is like, What – is there something in your life that is taking up the most amount of space? Mm -hmm. So much space that you can't think of other people. So much space that you you can't think about other things. Like, is there something in your life that feels like it's overtaking you like a fucking tidal wave? And, like, what is that? And then you have to deconstruct it a little bit. Mm -hmm. Like, for me, the pulling back on the obsessing, the control, the planning – all of that especially on like fitness and wellness like I I mean I remember at one point I would feel guilty if I didn't go work out twice a day I'd be like I only did one workout today and like that sounds so fucking insane to me now Mm -hmm. like you you you're really good at telling yourself in the moment like this is normal what you're doing is normal but then you're like you look back on it and you're like what the fuck that was insane yeah like I would go back to back like SoulCycle hot yoga or I'd go back to back wow. like, like a workout and then a, like go to the gym. And, and it was just like, why? Mm-hmm. And
0: I <sighs> recently saw this thing that I reposted on my story and honestly got the most response that I think I've gotten on anything in a long time. It was like, I can't remember it for verbatim, but it said, you know, and I've said this before, we all need to stop seeking those extra five to 10 pounds. Like that's the weight loss that needs to be lost. Right, The mindset of I just need to lose 5 to 10 pounds more. And it was like those 5 to 10 pounds is what keeps you in your healthiest body. Those 5 to 10 pounds are the memories. Those 5 to 10 pounds is the extra slice of pizza with your loved one or the ice cream cone that you enjoyed on a summer night or the extra drink with a group of friends. Like those are what has created your memories, your joy, your happiness, like it's seeking comfort in whatever you're working with, whatever your healthiest weight is in the sense of you feel great about yourself. You're not obsessing over it. You're obviously putting an effort like, sure. I, I still want to eat quote unquote healthy foods. I want to still work out because that's when I feel my best, Yeah, but I don't want it to consume my entire life.
1: Yeah. And you just want to be doing it for the right reasons. Like, I mean, this is like culmination of the whole episode of like, we all just have to figure out what our motivations are for the Mm -hmm. things that we do. Like, are we, you know, eating this slice of pizza, binging on pizza because you're having fun with your friends and mm-hmm. creating memories? Or are you doing it in a healthy way? Yeah. Am I restricting myself because, you know, I feel like I need to look a certain way? Or am I just like, I don't need that. And I'm making a better decision exactly. for myself. Am I, you know, cutting a person out of my life because they, make, they push buttons and they make me feel uncomfortable and they mm-hmm. push me on things that I need to be pushed on? Or am I pushing them away because they f- are toxic? Like, what is the motivation for the things that we do? Yeah. You know, and 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 then going from there. It's like figure out why the fuck you're doing something and then make the best choice.
0: 100%. And I usually ask this question in the beginning, but we just got into we got so into many it. amazing deep topics. But what would you say your favorite characteristic about yourself is?
1: I'm very quick in a situation to know where I'm at emotionally. Like I – um. I've gotten good at deciphering and getting down to like how I feel and why. Yeah, and it's a tool. And that takes a long time. It takes a long time, and it and it's a lot of honesty with yourself. Hmm. Um. Am I perfect at it? No, but I, I definitely like even in a moment of like, let's say someone rubs me the wrong way. You know, I can mm-hmm. go, I can go internal and go, okay, why did that rub me the wrong way? Is it, is it valid to be upset? Like, I can kind of suss out the situation pretty quickly, mm-hmm. and that's, like, really helpful. Um, I have to say it is very frustrating because not everyone's there. Yeah. And so it can be frustrating to others. Um, but, but, yeah, I feel, I feel like that's something I feel really, you know, proud to possess. It's admirable. And I feel I'm, it's
0: something I'm actually currently working on mm. because I'm very, I have very strong emotions. My dad, well, he says, I feel what I feel, and I feel them hard. Yeah. So I fucking love hard, and I hate hard. And obviously, there's a, bound, there, there's a middle ground to find in that. And I recently was talking shit on someone that I wouldn't like to be doing, but I did it. And I took a step back, and I was like, this pisses me off, and I'm so affected by this because I'm jealous of X, Y, Z. Or like this person rubs me the wrong way because they make me feel less than and I don't like that feeling. Yeah. And then it's diving into, well, why do I feel less than? And why does it matter if they're doing this and I'm not like... it circles all back to like it it has nothing to do with that person. It has nothing to do with that person. But it is hard when you're working through this and other people are not because I said this to my mom once and she was like, you have to acknowledge that you're putting a lot of work into yourself and not everyone else is. And... That doesn't mean that they're wrong. Yeah. Like, obviously, in an amazing world, we'd all be putting in this much work and we'd all be becoming a better person. But you have to let other people move in different
1: wavelengths yeah. and at different I, paces. We're all on our own fucking process. Yeah. You know, and some people get to it early. Some people get to it later. And some people fucking relapse mm-hmm. in the middle of it. So yeah. it's kind of like let it be.
0: Yeah. And then to close out, and I know you're probably hungry because we both said <laughs> know, I'm starving because I hadn't eaten lunch before this either. But it's just my favorite question of, way of how to get to really know someone in a okay. weird sense. What would you say the top three ways to your heart through food are?
1: Through food. Um, definitely community, relationship. Mm-hmm. Like to me, like the best thing about food is the other person. Mm-hmm. Um, another one is, like, process. Like, I love a long process.
0: Oh, I like that. And it can be a specific food as well. But I really like that you're giving me, like, not food things. Yeah.
1: Well, like, the yeah. process of making something. Yeah. I think, like, I'm not necessarily, like, a patient person. hmm Um, and so food teaches me patience when I cook it. hmm I think it's community when you, like, eat it with others. Yeah. Um, and then I think, for me, you know, a specific food... That I love and that means something to me is um, when I was little, when I was sick, I I grew up with my dad's Korean and my mom's white, okay. but I I was born in Korea, lived there till I was four, and then we moved you to America. But my mom, you know, she's just a white lady, but she mm-hmm. would always make this like Korean rice. That's like when I would be sick or when I mm-hmm. when we didn't have any money and I, we just needed to eat and like mm-hmm. things like that. It was. Um, like white rice cooked in the rice cooker. Mm-hmm. Every Asian family has a rice cooker. You white people don't have rice cookers. My mom <laughs> is the only white lady with a rice cooker, I think. Um, Rice cooker. And then you put... Soy sauce, and you put sesame oil, Mm -hmm. sesame seeds, and then you fry an egg and put it on top and kind of mix it through. I thought you were going to say kimchi in there. No. Actually, I mean, well, in Korea they eat kimchi in it. But, but like, when I was a kid, like, Mm -hmm. I would eat that. And it was, like, so comforting to me. And Mm so I always kind of go back to that same food when I need comfort Comfort. or I need, like, a feeling of, like, home. Mm -hmm. Or, like, it always was, like, something that, like, if my stomach hurt, I would eat. Yeah. You know, so I think – food in general kind, kind of can represent a lot of things. But for me, like there are certain foods that just represent like safety and comfort. comfort. And that's like one of them.
0: I do love asking that question because it goes to such a comfort place because people, yeah. it all is about a feeling. Mm-hmm. Like I love, for ice cream is my favorite food, but because growing up, it was like what I was the most excited for, like the ice huh. cream cone at the end of a summer day. Like it all has to do with, our history and yeah. our comfort and what we see comfort Food in. It is our story. So, Shanae, this has been amazing. Thank you so much. And yeah. I meant to say it's the very beginning of the episode, but I obviously am a huge fan of yours. But I so appreciate, I know I talked about this in the episode with Jara because I did the same thing to her. You guys <laughs> were on my dream list of when I started my podcast. So and... I kind of got to a point where I was like, well, fuck, Cammie. If you don't ask, they're never going to be on the show. So I sent you a DM out of nowhere. And you're so kind to not only accept but to schedule time out of your insanely busy day to come on here and talk. And I really admire everything you're doing on your page. So Thank we need you. more people and it, like And it, it
1: really is so hard. Like anyone listening, it is so hard to come on. And it's so hard to interview people, number one. But it's also really hard to like put yourself out there into a void. Really hard. You're screaming into a void and it's really hard. So, mm-hmm. you know, congratulations Thank on you. that. Thank like, you. Big congratulations Thank on you. screaming into the void and hopefully Resonating. people hearing yeah. it. Um, but the process of doing it is something to be commended either way and it's very um, vulnerable. but thank you for having me on of course
0: and so everything will be in the show notes of cool. your channels and all that yeah. but definitely check out press send
1: yeah our that's our my podcast. podcast it's awesome we have an advice based podcast where we bring on a guest and we answer listener questions for their own scenarios It's kind of if you're old like me it's kind of like love line old person <laughs> um, i don't know what it is in modern day times but it's kind of like love know. line it's if, fun and if you don't know what love line is you you should go check it out on youtube or something because i'm sure there's good episodes there but yeah thanks for having me on thank you so much
0: thank you all so much for listening to today's episode of freckled foodie and friends i thoroughly hope you enjoyed it if you could be so kind i would greatly appreciate a rate and or review on whatever platform you use to listen to your podcast currently this one's available on itunes spotify or google play please subscribe to make sure you're up to date with new episodes coming at you every Friday morning. If once a week isn't enough of me, please follow along on my most active social channel, Instagram. Find me, my unedited videos, recipes, random rants, and info for all my other social channels on there, at Freckled Foodie.